The Business on RTE Radio 1 with AIB. It takes a certain kind of brave to run a business. We see it, we back it. Well, there were emotional scenes up and down the country yesterday evening as people poured onto the streets for a vigil to mark the death of Ashling Murphy. Her murder has opened up many conversations about what needs to be done to root out sexism and misogyny in our society. Can business help? We're joined by Mary McAuliffe, Director of the Gender Studies Programme at UCD and Leadership Consultant Margaret E. Ward. You're both very welcome. Mary, if I could start with you. I mentioned there about misogyny and sexism. They're often used interchangeably, but they are two different things, aren't they? They are, yes, um, obvious, but obviously interrelated as well. Misogyny simply is uh, hatred of women. Um, uh, and it is, we, we do live in a misogynistic society, although oftentimes people don't recognise that. Sexism then are the acts uh, that, that are committed against women. Sexist remarks, sexist uh, attacks, uh, street harassment, abuse. Um, and so one is, is the ideology and one is the, um, the, the, the physical manifestation, I suppose, or the verbal manifestation of misogyny. And in a workplace um, context, Mary, companies, the role the companies can play, if something, you know, like let's say misogyny is is something that is is present that is possibly even prevalent in some elements of a company what what can be done about it well, I think what happens has to happen first is people have to recognize companies have to recognize particularly online companies and media companies that whether they like it or not, misogyny exists. They might have been doing all the training in the world. They might have had all the uh, equality, diversity and inclusion policies in the world. But we live in a misogynistic society. We work in misogynistic workplaces. It hasn't been eradicated. So every company, every business has to recognise, no matter how good they think they are, that there will be misogyny there because it is endemic and systemic in our societies, in every element of our societies. And if we start with that, if we change the narrative that misogyny is something that only happens every so often, um, that, you know, and, and particularly when something so awful uh, happens, like like the murder of, of Ashling Murphy, and I'd like to extend my sympathies to her family and her friends and colleagues. It, it's something that has touched the heart of the nation, uh, particularly women, uh, across the country um, and, and it has made us remember all the women that have been killed, over 200 as the National Women's Council have, have documented since the mid-1990s and we have to recognise this is endemic systemic. Okay. Start from that basis and try and eradicate it then. Margaret, when, when we talk about corporate culture and workplaces, you know, there is a sense that many of these issues uh, things are improving, things are getting better, but there are also companies, for example, Mary mentioned there about online and the online world. There are tech companies that are very new businesses. They, they don't have a lot of maybe historical baggage or cultural baggage, but they have a long way to go in relation to these issues. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, misogyny and sexism doesn't exist in a vacuum, as Mary is saying. So I think there's an assumption, oh, if it's a new company, therefore it's not going to be sexist or misogynistic. But studies show that men, young men and boys often have the same attitudes towards women as their grandfathers, okay? So businesses need to recognize that this exists and that they have a legal 
and moral responsibilities to all their employees and the communities in which they operate to protect people who might be subjected to sexist comments or behaviors, who work in an atmosphere of misogyny where they feel they're not taken seriously, their voices aren't heard, their ideas aren't heard. You know, in a misogynistic society, men believe they're better and that they have a right to subjugate women through their words and their actions, that they have ownership over women's bodies and minds and ideas and that they have a right to control them and denigrate them. What about social media? So much of this ends up floating around on social media. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if somebody posts something that is deemed racist or discriminatory, but what if it's misogynistic? <laughs> well, that's a great question because over the last, say, 20 years, when feminist campaigners and just campaigners, equality campaigners, have pointed this out to employers and said, look, you have, um, you know, you're a, a political party or your media organization or your newspaper, whatever, you know, there are women who, as part of their work, must be in the public space, which means out reporting or out on social media. And if those women are being attacked and trolled and stalked and threatened with all kinds of sexual violence... Um, have you experienced I that? have definitely experienced this over the last 15 years in its most vile form, just because I worked as a journalist or I went you on... You did a- work on Wall Street. I worked uh, on Wall Street as well, yeah. What what was that like? (laughs) It was like, you know, working in a room full of gorillas, like it was. You know, I had to, and and, and Richard, I'm telling you that this happens everywhere, okay? This isn't just in finance or politics. It's everywhere. I work across all sectors. So as a young woman, I was only in my, you know, early 20s, I would walk into a room and know immediately I was prey. But that's, it sounds like the Wolf of Wall Street it was or something worse. like that. But that, that, that Wolf of Wall Street was, was years ago. But we're, we're told that there are more women on boards, there are culture committees, there are procedures and investigative procedures and complaints procedures. Are you saying none, none of that's real? It's real, but does it have an impact on the way that women live? Are women living in a less fearful society or workplace? <laughs> It depends on the workplace, Richard. It does, okay? Some places are great. Like, you know, the the civil service has very strict policies and procedures, and they have a lot of women living in the civil service, okay? Companies that take this stuff seriously, where if there's a sexist joke, you know, a man in particular might go, that's not okay. Like, how do you think that's making so-and-so feel? Those are the places that are great for women to work because they're not going in with this low level of fear all the time. You know, am I going to be harassed today? Is somebody going to grope me? Am I going to get those horrible sexist comments because they think I'm their competition or they just makes them feel good about themselves to say these horrible things to me? You know, will I be promoted? Will I be taken seriously? Will somebody talk over me? And Mary, uh, Margaret is talking there about (coughs) some of the the nastier stuff that can happen. What about, from a male perspective, there are male colleagues in an office, in a working environment or whatever, and they come out with things, not, not jokes, they come out with comments that reflect an older sexist attitude. They genuinely don't mean it. They don't, they're from a different generation, whatever it might be. How, how, how How do you, how do you deal with that? 
Well, firstly, I think you have to recognise that it isn't an older generation. As Margaret said, <clears throat> the younger generation also have those sexist attitudes and you get it from people, you know, in their 20s and 30s. It might surprise you. You actually be taken aback that uh, these young men are saying uh, the same comments that their fathers and grandfathers. And it's because it's a lad culture. It's this, you know, rock locker room banter. The whole thing that was discussed around the time when, when Donald Trump made those awful comments about women that he did when he was running for election that sure boys will be boys lads will be lads um, and the cat calling in the street harassment bleeds into businesses into the staff room um, every single woman who works in any business has heard at least once in her working life what, what, those what sexist comments what, what about if we're, if we're sitting around uh, having a conversation a group of work colleagues male and female and someone is talking over, interrupting, kind of putting down. A man is putting down a, a female colleague. And I decide... That happens all the time. And I decide, I'm going to say, hang on a minute, you, you, you're not listening to her. You're, you know, you're, you're, oh. you're putting over, you're interrupting her all the time, whatever. And she comes up to me afterwards and says, I'm well able to stand up for myself. I don't need you to do that. A lot of men would say, I, they, would be, they wouldn't want that to happen. Well, that's true. And I mean, it, it is a very difficult thing to negotiate, particularly in the workplace. And for women, a lot of women, I mean, in my workplace, there are a lot of women. And what we do uh, um, oftentimes is amplify each other. So <clears throat> that if, if, if a woman makes a suggestion, another woman backs her up. Um, and that happens in workplaces. Um, it is true that some women might feel that they are being, you know, uh, helped along, the little woman being helped along by the men if the men are making those comments. And I think women and men need to have a think about how we eradicate sexism in the workplace, in society, how we eradicate misogyny. And men uh, need to step up to the mark and women need to see men step up to the mark and see it as a, some, as something positive as well. Margaret, uh, it's I not see, just the women I, that need to change things things uh, or yeah. feminists. I, I, Male allies need to be there too. I can see, Margaret, you're nodding your head here, but w one of the things I wanted to put to you when we talk <laughs> about corporate culture, right, is that there are more women on boards. There are still not enough women by any means in senior management positions. And to some extent, the boards kind of set the parameters and the rules and the theories, but it's the management people who set the culture. What if you work in a small business? They don't have these procedures. There's like 20, 25 people. It's an owner-manager. The owner is a misogynist. There's nothing there and you're, you're, you're in a small town somewhere and you're thinking, I don't want to quit this job. Mm -hmm. So a number of things. Yes, there are more women on boards, but not enough to make a difference. There's a thing called the tipping point, which means you need at least 30% of either gender to make sure that that person is considered, you know, less than a token. Um, and often you can have all the legal policies and everything that you want in the world, policies, procedures, that's all fine, regardless of the size of your organization, and nothing changes because there's a toxic culture, okay? So what is, what is culture? Culture is the way we do things around here, but it's also the worst thing that we allow. So you're in a small business in the, you know, the middle of, you know, wherever it is, um, outside of Dublin, uh, there are only a few people there. The boss is a misogynist. He's saying all kinds of things to you. Um, and you don't want to lose your job. What do you do? So women have an option. Do you speak up? But what's the cost of speaking up? You know, people go, well, if she didn't speak up or report it to the guard, she must have liked it or she didn't mind it. That's not true because the cost is very high for women of speaking up. You're seen as you can be seen as a troublemaker. 
You can be seen, you know, within a whistleblower. You can then be seen as, oh, a traitor. Um, you can get fired. You can become a target for the other men who might want to support their misogynistic boss who th thinks this is just fine. So what really are options? Keep your mouth shut and keep going. Wow. Uh, speak up, maybe lose your job. I mean, the, the stakes are very high for women. It sounds as if we still have a long way to go on these issues. Mary McAuliffe and Margaret E. Ward, thank you very much for joining us on the programme.